Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Stevens Point and Appleton, as well as those who watch us on television and those around the world, literally, who watch us online. And let's uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in the... <laughs> who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Joe, for sending that text right at that moment. That was encouraging. <laughs> All right. A little inside baseball here. Just want to make sure my fly wasn't open or something. All right, so... Moving on, good to see you guys joining in our campuses over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Good morning to all of you, and uh, good to have all of you with us this morning. Want to give a quick shout out and celebration to Chris and Courtney Reitz, who brought into the world this last Monday a little boy, Aiden Mitchell. Give them a hand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> baby and mama are doing great. We love it. We love babies here. We have lots of babies. Babies, babies, babies. It's one way to grow a church. I have lots of babies. Actually, uh, I was talking to someone uh, before the last service. And, uh, you know, because I've talked from time to time about this idea of encouraging people to have large families, not for any other reason than uh, we like children. And, uh, and that actually, it's healthy. Uh, the studies have shown, this is just my opinion, the studies have shown that people with the largest families tend to be the healthiest families. They're healthiest emotionally, physically, psychologically, I mean, all kinds of ways. And it's really quite stunning. And I remember at the time saying, you know, just anecdotally, has anyone ever noticed, besides me, that the most stressed out women in the world are the ones with one kid? Even two. But once you get three and more, there's peace in the valley. Praise God. Check it around. Look at the women who have three or more children around that you know, and look at them. They are much more relaxed. I'm just telling you, it is what it is. Uh, there's reasons for it, but uh, anyway. So anyway, the lady was telling me, we're looking at the little ones turning three. She said, you know, this is your fault. I said, uh, you might want to be careful how you say that. Uh, but uh, <coughs> uh, we are uh, having our... Uh, our, our T1 students, we're going to have them come up this morning. Luke, Matt, Gabriele, Lauren, and Mariah, wherever you guys are, bring them all up on the stage. Uh, these are our, we, as, for those of you who are, are not aware, we started this year, started small, but we're going to grow, a uh, transition program, a one-year gap program where we're encouraging young people not to come right out of high school and just go off into college. Take a year. Put God first in your life. Slow down a bit. Let's get your priorities straight. Let us speak into your lives. And 
for the, ever since September, they've been coming uh, here, and we have uh, every day, just like regular classes, like a little mini college, teaching them, showing them stuff about faith, how to do life. We've had some fabulous people come, speaking into them about finances, how to handle money, how to plan for this, that, and the other. I've spent time with them talking about love, marriage, relationships, all that kind of stuff. I've actually taken them all on the road with me to some seminars, which was a blast. We had a great time connecting there and just showing them how to do life and, uh, and uh, giving them opportunities to serve and stuff. Now, at this point in the program, they're getting ready to go on a missions trip. Now, people all over America, Christians, uh, for some time now, it's a wonderful thing. They go on these missions trips. And I encourage you, if you've never done it, you ought to do it. Every single one of you, you ought to figure out a way, find a spot, a time where you can go on one of these mission trips. It is life-changing. And it's a blast. It really is fun. Uh, but these tend to be like, you know, seven days, ten days. That's not what these guys are doing. They're going for three months. We are sending them off. Uh, Luke and Matt are going to India. Welcome to India. And, uh, and, then, and then you guys are going to uh, the Philippines. And they're going to be serving over there for three months, really get, I'm telling you, even a week is life-changing. Three months, it's going to be powerful. They'll never be the same. They will learn what it means to trust God. Learn what it means to serve others instead of themselves. Learn, and they'll suffer terribly. I mean, there's places where there's, there's no Wi-Fi. And, that's, and, and it, it, it'll just be horrible. So, uh, and it's going to be a fabulous experience, and we are so excited. We want to pray for them. Uh, there's some others going over initially to help them get going. Uh, we want all you guys to come up, wherever you all are, Lexi, Kristen, Sherry, whatever, all you guys, there they come. And uh, uh, Pastor Chad over, also over in uh, Appleton is going to be coming along with them, so we're excited about that. So all these guys come up, and all you guys at the other camp, I want everybody to stand. I know you guys are... A long way away, even, even from Stevens Point and Appleton. I want you to pray with us. It has been known that God can hear prayers even in Stevens Point. All right? So, <laughs> and we just want to pray a blessing over them uh, and that God will protect them. Uh, it's a dangerous world. So, well, then why are you leaving the country? Honestly, it's a dangerous world just getting outside your house. Actually, it's dangerous staying in your house. It's just dangerous everywhere. And you want to trust God. And we want to ask God to bless them and just do wonderful things. We are believing that not only will they never be the same again, but for out, throughout eternity, they will be touching lives and making an impact for the kingdom of God. Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for these young people as they're going over on this trip, taking time to pour into other people's lives. We ask you to protect them, that your favor would rest on them. Lord, that you would do wonderful, miraculous things in their hearts and lives and just make such an impression in them and also in all those that they will touch. And we pray a great blessing over them as this congregation, we send them out in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Give them all a hand. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Oh. You've been photobombed. Okay. <laughs> All right. There we go. Give my lovely assistant a hand. 
would help if I had my little marker. Where is it? There it is. Okay, so we are in the season of Lent, uh, a time just before Easter, where we take this 40-day period and we just want to focus, starts with uh, Ash Wednesday, and focus on our faith and being more intentional about our faith. Traditionally, Lent is a time where people fast, and they fast a wide variety of things. Some people literally fast meals, others fast specific things, give up things, you know, whatever it is. Uh, during this period, it's just a time of just saying, you know what, I'm setting something aside, and I'm going to focus on my faith. You say, well, that's not a big deal. You do it. <laughs> Set something aside you really like, and you start missing it really quickly. And it's a good thing to do. It's just a thing called discipline. One of the things that I've been encouraging people is to fast staying home on Wednesday night. Go to church. Come to church. Sit with us uh, and just honor God. You say, well, I don't want to come. Perfect. That's why it's called fasting. Nobody wants to fast. Have you ever fasted like a day or two of not eating? That's a party. You know, uh, it's hard. It's really hard. You have no idea. Everywhere you turn, you want to see, eat something, you know. Uh, it, it's not comfortable. You say, well, I don't want to come. Good. That's why you should come. And uh, come and just let's, during this time, find a way of saying, you know, I'm going to do something I don't necessarily want to do so that I can focus on my faith. All right? So I encourage you to do that. Uh, last Wednesday night, I was not able to be here. Uh, Deb's father uh, passed away suddenly, so we had to go and take care of that. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, Pastor Kurt came over and did you guys enjoy? He did a great job. Uh, those of you who heard that. And uh, so we appreciate him coming all the way over from Point and covering for me there. So, uh, last week, in this context of Lent and doing things that are uncomfortable, I talked about probably one of the most uncomfortable things that you can do, besides literally not eating, uh, is giving money and how that can be a difficult thing for people. And we talked about the biblical concept. We talked about this idea of tithing. Where does tithing come from? You know, it's amazing how many people get really all hung up on it and stuff like that. But we went, uh, they said, well, that's just part of the Old Testament law. Actually existed before the Old Testament law. 100, 450 years before the law ever showed up, people were tithing to God, which is the fancy English word for 10%. So do I have to give 10%? You don't have to do anything. I'm just saying that's the standard that was set forth. And, and now we carry this into the New Testament. And, uh, and, and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about that. Now, today, specifically, I want to talk to you about this idea of favor. Everybody say favor. What does favor mean? Now, if you look up in Webster's Dictionary, here, there's all kinds of little phrases that describe favor. I want to just show you just a few. One of them means to be for something, to have support uh, in your life. Uh, I like this one, <laughs> to make things easier. Oh, man, somebody say amen. Easier, I couldn't spell easier last time. I'm still not spelling it right. There we go. Apparently easier isn't so easy. Uh, to, uh, and I, this is my favorite one. I love this. To... Give unfair advantage. <laughs> All right. So, 
there we have, I mean, just, that's just a few. But these are the kind of things that you want in your life. Now, outside of faith, people would call this luck. People who are lucky, right? They seem to have an unfair advantage or things just get easier for them and things seem to go for them all the time. And outside of Jesus, there are people who do experience luck in varying ways. This story, of course, most people's luck is bad luck, but uh, they have luck. Now, in a Christian experience, it's not luck. It's what we call favor, and it's very intentional. You want this, I promise you. You want this in your life. You want to have the kind of life where they're just people look at you and think, man, he just has an unfair advantage. There's something about their life, something about her life. Things always seem to go for them. They always seem to have things that go in their direction. Things are easier for them, and without question, it's hard to not get a sense that they have an unfair advantage in their life, and it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> That's what you want. The unfair advantage in your life where God is giving you that kind of favor. And this is tied to this idea of giving. Let's take a look at this. Now, Jesus said this uh, uh, in Luke, the sixth chapter. He said, give and it will be given to you. Not just a little, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What's that sound like? If you're trying to get something like in a suitcase and you're really trying to pack that rascal, you know, you're pressing down on it, right? And you're trying to get more stuff in it because you want as much as you possibly can. That's the kind of blessings Jesus said God wants to give into your life if you will learn to give good pressure, a measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, which we'll read about in, in just a little bit, this idea of how much you give is how much you get. It's just pretty simple. In the Old Testament, last book of the Old Testament, talking about this idea of tithing, still the same concept, that if you will give, God will bless you. Here's what God says through the prophet Malachi. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is really unique. Because if there's one thing you're not supposed to do is test God. If you'll remember the account where Jesus was fasting after being baptized, he's out in the desert, and the Bible says Satan came to him and started tempting him. And one of the things he did is he put Jesus up on this high pinnacle and said, why don't you jump off? Because the Bible says God will protect you. And Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you're not supposed to test God. You're not supposed to live stupidly thinking God will take care of things. Somebody say amen. You don't do dangerous things thinking God, well, don't worry, God will take, you know, you don't let your children play in the street, oh, the Lord will take care of them, okay? That is bad. That's called testing God, and you're not supposed to do it. Only in one area did God ever say, test me, put me to the test. And it's in this area of giving, this phrase where God says, test me in this, is very radical in the Bible because he never says it anywhere. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and I, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be enough room, enough to store it. What are we talking about? We're talking about favor. 
He describes his favor. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Well, that's not fair. Everybody else has bugs. How come everybody else has the stuff and it's not falling around? It's an unfair advantage. God says, yep, that's what I will give in your life. The vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Well, that's not fair. Everybody else's fruit has problems. But God gives them an unfair advantage. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So favor is a promise from God. This promise encourages us to give. And the choice is very clear. You either believe the promise or you don't. And I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. I could. I'm very gifted in that. But that's not why I'm here this morning. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about anything. I'm just telling you the facts. The truth is most devout Christians don't believe this. Because if you really believed it, you would do it. It's a fearful thing. What if I give, I'll get back. Oh, come on. I don't know if that really works. Amazingly, people are more likely to believe the promise from a casino or from the lottery because then they freely give. They love to give. Why do they go to those little churches called casinos and give? They don't even pass the bucket, man. They just sit at the table, just start giving. They do it because of a problem. I was just in Las Vegas. Uh, uh, yesterday morning, flew back, uh, back late, late last night. From, we did a conference there. And, uh, you know, and I don't know if you've ever been there. <laughs> you know, it, you ought to go just for the sheer amazement of seeing the buildings. These hotels are beyond anything you have ever seen. The architecture, the designs, the inside, it is stunning, especially right down on the strip. Now, we stayed way off the strip, way down off the strip in the poor part of town. The casino we stayed in, the hotel we stayed in was only a $2 billion building. <laughs> I want you to think about that. Can you imagine what a hotel would look like in Green Bay that cost $2 billion to build? That's where we stayed. Doc, it was only $120 a night. If you, I mean, I played, stayed in cockroach motels that were more than $120 a night. I don't know how they do I don't know how they make them. I suppose from the, the gambling, I have no idea. All I know is, holy cow, was that a nice hotel? And that was for the poor people, all right? I mean, these places, you go down on the strip, it is stunning what you see. And then you enter the casino, and as far as you can see, Everybody is sitting there and they're giving in the offering. They're giving. Do you know why they're giving? Because of a promise. The promise is if you give, you might receive. And they freely give to that promise. When Jesus says, God Almighty says, if you give to me, you will receive. Oh, I don't know about that. The casinos, I'm more drawn to the might receive. And they're giving freely in the offering. People who go crazy with the lottery, they're buying lottery tickets based on a promise. Give. You know, they're not forcing you to do this. You realize when you're buying a lottery ticket, you're not buying anything. You're giving in the offering. 
A lot of people give in these offerings. In fact, the last one was what? One and a half billion dollars? Do you know where that money comes from? It's not the government. It's, it's not magic money trees. What it is is that people gave more than one and a half billion dollars into the offering. Because they don't give it all away. They keep a bunch, right? That's how much they could give back. That's how many people threw into the offering for a chance at that pot. One and a half billion dollars giving freely based on the promise that they might receive. Say, but pastor, there's a promise, there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. I want to show you a video this morning. I want you to check this out. This is uh, from a uh, security camera. Uh, I'm not sure where this is, but just check this out. Now, there's going to be this couple coming around the corner, and there's this guy, we find out later, he's intending to rob these people, mug these people. So here comes the couple, all right? And they're just minding their own business, and this slime bag is going to come up to him in the dark and, and take, rob them, mug them, whatever. Here he comes from the bottom of your screen. Boom, he gets struck by lightning. <laughs> now, to that couple, I'd say they had favor, all right? Now, look at him. He, he is like, his head is hurting He's like, what the heck was that? And, and he rolls over and he's like, oh, oh, man. He doesn't even know what happened. And his head, he holds his head and says, well, like, oh, what, 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 what was that? I, I got to get up. I got to get that money, man. You go after those people. Come on, let's, let's get going here. You got to mug these people. And then, bang, he gets hit again. <laughs> The only thing I can figure is God really did not want those people to get robbed. <laughs> they probably gave at their church and had favor. All right, lots, lots of favor. Camera, move over so they can see it. Favor. You want favor, you want that support, you want things to be, you want that unfair advantage. Now, I show you this, not to point out that God gave the people, the muggies, favor. But it is an absolute fact that your chance of being struck by lightning twice <laughs> in the same day is higher than your chance of winning the lottery. Are you listening to me? Your chance, because this happens. They say there's something about hit, getting hit the first time. There's something <laughs> electrical juice going through you that he wants to hit you again, you know. Now, fortunately, I have never been hit by lightning. You don't ever want to be lightning. But seriously, statistically speaking, your chance is greater to be hit today, twice, by lightning than to win the stupid lottery. But yet many of you will still give in that offering. Because there's a promise. There's a promise. I, 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 I might. I, I, I might win. By, by the way, here. There we go, cameraman. Okay. Now, you want this in your life, right? You want 
God to be for you. You want this unusual support. You want things to be easier. You want unfair advantage. This is what you want in your life. Now, one of the reasons God probably will never let you win the lottery is because once you win the lottery, you don't need this anymore. Are you listening to me? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you think God is going to dump a billion dollars into your lap so you don't need God anymore, you're delusional. All right? He wants you to be in a place of favor from him where he will bless your life. This is all, all this stuff, all this gambling. And really, you would think these people sitting in these hotels would do the math. You're in multi-billion dollar buildings throwing money on a table. Who do you think does most of the winning? Just look around. I mean, it's not like it's in a slum somewhere. Odds are not good for you. But there's a promise. Oh, man, I'll give to that promise. But here is a big difference between the two promises that I will concede. The promise, if you might, the might promise is instantaneous. That's probably the allure. It's instantaneous. The God promise is not necessarily instantaneous. It can be. But it's not necessarily instantaneous. You know, some years ago, we did a, a, a promotion trying to get people to understand tithing. And we called the tithe challenge. And we said, that, listen, if you will tithe for the next 90 days, if your finances are not better off in your life, we will give you your money back. And those people actually did this and testified that their life was, in fact, dramatically better. But, you know, and people have suggested, why don't you do this again? And I just got a problem with it. It sounds too glitzy and gimmicky to me. And besides, there's no guarantee this is going to happen in 90 days. You don't know when this is going to happen. This is not an instant payout, okay? This is a lifestyle. You want God to bless your life with favor. And I promise you, the people who do this know what I'm talking about. Your life is blessed with favor. Doesn't mean you don't have problems. Doesn't mean you have struggles, temptations, all this stuff. But your life is overwhelmingly filled with favor. And I can promise you, in my life, my life has been filled with this. My life is so blessed. I am so much further along than people who have 10 times the education that I have. I'm more successful as a national speaker than people who, in the last five years, than people who have been doing that for their lives for 20 years. And in my family, my children, my grandchildren, my life is filled with an absolute unfair advantage. <laughs> and I love it. And we've got a lot of stories here. There's stories over in Stevens Point, Appleton, who can tell you exactly that. Man, I'm just, they'll tell you. It's not about the lottery. It's not that you're rich beyond your wildest dreams. That's not where we're talking about favor. Everybody say favor. Favor in your life where things go for you instead of against you, where things are better than they are worse, where at the end of the day, it just seems like you have this unfair advantage because of God's blessings in your life. Paul talks about this. He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Sounds like Jesus, right? He said, you give a little, you're going to get a little. You give a lot, you get a lot. And then Paul says this, so each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, oh, I got to do it. 
for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, one of the things that we do at Celebration Church, sometimes people don't quite understand it, new people, is whenever we take the offering, everybody starts clapping. It's because we, we talk about this idea of being a cheerful giver. Woo, we get a chance to give. Now, we don't talk about it all the time, and a lot of people, most of you probably clap just because everybody's clapping. Oh, it's just clapping. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know why the heck you're clapping? I don't know why they're clapping. I was, you know, they're going to juggle on the way down the aisle when they come in the aisle. I don't know what they're going to do. All right? The purpose of the clapping is to be a cheerful giver. Why? Because this is my chance to experience favor. I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's the problem. See, we need to get to the place where a might win is much smaller to us than the will win, particularly of who's standing behind the promise. The lottery commission is nothing compared to God, right? The Trump casino is nothing compared to the promise of God. God can and will bless your life if you learn to be a cheerful giver. Uh, there's many more elements to this. We're running out of time. But, but uh, one, time, one thing that people will say sometimes is, you know, pastor, I got to be honest. I have done this. I have done this for a long time, but I still am not experiencing favor. Why is that? Sometimes that happens. And we're going to take a look at that. I'm going to take a look at and show you why, for some people, this doesn't happen. And I'm going to show it to you next week. All right? Which means you have to come back to church. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, the great favor that you have shown us. Lord, it starts with faith in Jesus Christ by putting our trust in him and confessing and reaching out to him. He can forgive us of all our sins and give us a new life, a new beginning. We thank you for that. But Lord, there's so many other ways that you want to bless us. But we have to trust you and we have to put certain Christian disciplines into our life and one of those disciplines is trusting you in our giving. Help us get to the place, Lord, that our life will be overwhelmingly marked by an unfair advantage that comes from God himself. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.